Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore and I'm uh, flying solo today. As, as I record, uh, Scott is out of town on a family vacation. Bailey is back, uh, which is super exciting, but she's not here today because she got caught in traffic on the turnpike between uh, Oklahoma City and Tulsa, as you often do. And so I decided I was sitting here at my desk with my microphone ready, hot and just raring to go. And I thought, well, why not use this opportunity to record uh, a little bit of uh, of a a solo podcast, I guess is the is the term. Uh, It works out because my neighbor is not using his leaf blower today, but he is rebuilding his pergola. Uh, which has meant an afternoon full of saws, drills, and hammering, which has made it incredibly difficult to focus and get any kind of work done whatsoever. Nevertheless, listeners, I'm here for you. Uh, I wanted to highlight a couple of things in the news this week. It's honestly been a relatively quiet news week as far as it uh, pertains to Oklahoma politics, and I suspect that is because the State Fair is open again this year. Listeners, as you know, every year the State Fair comes to Oklahoma City. It is the only State Fair of Oklahoma, the official State Fair of Oklahoma. It concludes the Barnyard Birthing Center, a lot of hot tubs for sale, foot-long corn dogs, jugs of root beer, uh, and it's already made several headlines for um, amazing and sad reasons. On the amazing note, a, a woman gave birth. I don't think it was in the Barnyard Birthing Center, Uh, but golly, what a place to give birth at the state fair. I hope that kid won a hot tub or something, uh, when that happened. But I also imagine that, you know, a lot of the energy in our, that gets pent up in ourselves and we pour it into things like politics is probably spent, uh, spent over there in the carnival rides tonight, actually on, uh, this is Friday, the 24th the musical artist Genuine will be performing at the State Fair. For those of you who are also fans of Parks and Recreation, that's right, Genuine, who I believe was uh, Donna's cousin on the show, allegedly. All right, well, in sad news uh, this week, Oklahoma passed the 10,000 death mark related to COVID. Um, Certainly, I've talked fairly extensively on the show. Uh, You guys all know that we lost my mom to COVID back in December. Uh, but 10,000 is just and it's just an oppressive number. That's a lot of folks that died, many, many of them unnecessarily, and still today, uh, that's the case. Um, if you have friends or family that are still unvaccinated and you're worried about them, man, I get you. I understand that fear. Um, and you're looking for how to talk to them. I, you know, I don't have any magic bullet, uh, but I think just trying to listen more than you speak as hard as that may be uh, could be a good place to start i've heard from several people in the last couple of weeks that they were successful in convincing someone to get vaccinated now by and large those people were not vaccine deniers they were not like actively verbally refusing to do it they were folks who were just like you know i don't know i've heard a lot of stuff on both sides and while you might blow your top at that and it seems absurd Depending on where you get your information in your news, right? If it is from, well, I'll say less reputable sources, um, and you and you or you don't even pay that close of attention to the news, right? Like uh, most folks are just trying to live their life, and they may have heard stories, and even if you listen to 
you know, fair and balanced kind of news sources, you still hear stories about folks who are refusing to get it. And you think, well, it seems like some folks are skeptical and I don't really know how to feel. So maybe I'll err on that side. Just listen to him and talk to him. Uh, if you, if your loved ones are vehemently opposed to the vaccine, um, I, I honestly don't have to tell you that's so hard. It's really, really hard. And, um, you know, you gotta, at some point, take care of yourself and, and those that you can, right? So if that means, uh, establishing and maintaining healthy boundaries, difficult though that might be, uh, that's a way to start too, right? And sometimes you gotta just, uh, you gotta grin and, uh, and bear it and try to get through. On the, on a good note, cases in Oklahoma are declining. I was looking at the, at the case rates in Edmond Public Schools earlier because that's where my kids go, and it's down below 100 cases uh, as of Tuesday for the whole district, which is pretty outstanding. It makes me breathe just a little bit easier about my kids going to school. All right, well, uh, there were just a couple of other news headlines that I wanted to put on your radar. Uh, one is that, you know, a couple of weeks ago on Labor Day weekend, Governor Stitt removed two members of the Oklahoma Healthcare Authority board, uh, advisory board, and they happened to be both women, I believe, and they were both physicians. They were the only physicians on the board, uh, and they so their their removal was conspicuous to say the least. I think at least one of them was appointed, uh, maybe both were appointed by him, but they also I think both voted. We'll say against the governor's wishes. And I think Scott and I talked about that a few weeks ago. Well, the, there's been some fallout from that. There was an interesting story in the Oklahoman, um, I think today or earlier this week, that cited or uh, quoted representatives Marcus McIntyre and Mark McBride, um, who are two names you don't often hear in the same sentence, but they, both Republicans, and both expressed some reservations uh, if not regret, about how the legislature gave the governor, you know, more power and more authority over our state agencies. Uh, on the other side of the aisle, it's gone a lot farther. Representative Monroe Nichols from Tulsa has pre-filed some legislation that would change the governor's role, not with all state agencies, but with the healthcare authority specifically, that would require the governor to appoint to the board at least one licensed physician, which seems reasonable, uh, to Medicaid recipients, which is very interesting, right? So the you know the healthcare authority is the entity that oversees or that manages the state's Medicaid program, and so like many boards and 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 you know advisory committees, it is often very helpful to have people who actually receive services from that entity to help uh, provide some oversight and uh, input into how the organization runs, uh, and then also. Um, some people who have experience in healthcare fields, they would have to be, you know, just relevant experience from medical care and, uh, and Medicaid itself serve on the board. Uh, Representative Nichols bill would also mean the governor has to pick his appointees from a set of three candidates that are nominated by the board. Uh, and then the appointees would have set term limits and the governor would not be able to re remove them without cause. Uh, so that, you know, Picking appointees from a, a slate of candidates is similar to how our judicial nominating system works. Um, and I think, you know, everyone's got their gripes, but I think on the whole, it seems to work pretty well and maybe tap down on some of the, 
the the wilder appointees getting in there. So um, interesting. I don't expect that Representative Nichols' bill will go very far. I'm sure that he doesn't either, um, which is sad because I think it's a pretty reasonable approach. Uh, and, and I think, you know, I think uh, Republicans in the state legislature would be wise to consider the implications of this kind of bill for future governors, perhaps, you know, who knows when, 20 years from now or something, when the Democrats maybe, maybe less than that. Uh, if there was a, a Democratic governor that was uh, of the, a different party from the majority in the legislature, I could see where Republicans might want to have some additional controls on their governor. And in fact, we've seen that trend happen in other states. I believe it was in Kansas or maybe in Missouri where they had given uh, the government, the, it was a re Republican majority legislature and they had a Republican governor and then the governor lost. And I don't remember if they went back in for special session or if they were already in session, but they very quickly uh, passed a whole slate of, of measures that would basically restrict the power of the governor. So they, they gave power out when it was their guy and they took it back when it was the other guy. Uh, and that's the kind of, I don't know, that's a political gamesmanship that's not conducive to, <laughs> to, to, to building a better America, right? Like that's just winning for the sake of winning. And that often means that um, our, our elected officials spend more time trying to beat the other guys than trying to govern. Uh, and that's, you know, that's no way to run a country or a state for that matter. Uh, another story that's, I think, really good and, and hopefully important uh, to you is that the Oklahoma County Sheriff will now be equipped with body cameras. Well, not just not just Sheriff Tommy Johnson, but all of the sheriff's deputies uh, out there. They finally, uh, this was one of his campaign promises, and he has followed through, I guess, eight months in. Uh, so they've acquired the the body cameras and they have released their policy for them when they will be uh, turned on, when they will not be turned on. Uh, Nondoc has this story and I will put the link in the show notes here because it's a good story. It's pretty important to know. All right. And then the last thing I want to say in this very brief episode is uh, about redistricting. I don't have Scott or Bailey here to rein me in. So you just, you just get me unvarnished. Uh, as I mentioned, I think last week, the state legislature's redistricting committees. I don't know that there were any actual legislators on that town hall. Anyway, the committee uh, or staffers held a virtual town hall meeting last week, and it was pretty insignificant. I won't say it's worthless, but it was pretty insignificant. There was not really any new information shared. But oh, it got me thinking. And over the last week, if you follow me or people not politicians on social media you've probably seen an uptick in posts about this and that's the fact that they haven't released any maps at all and the data came out like six weeks ago so last night i submitted our congressional map on behalf of people not politicians um, to the legislature someone else had submitted his a couple of weeks ago i know uh dan williams who's been he's a redistrict Oklahoma or redistrict okay on Twitter um, he has published several maps out there I don't think he's actually submitted his to the legislature yet but he's he's put them out there on on Twitter and has sought feedback from uh, from people uh, and then I started asking around right so I I'm in this uh, a 
it's not a chat room. It's like a, well, there's a Slack channel, but I'm also in a, um, say a consortia with, with redistricting reformers around the country. That's part of, uh, or goes through the Princeton gerrymandering, um, project based there at Princeton university, smart people, um, really trying to connect people, connect states, connect, um, individuals connect, you know, campaigns like ours, connecting commissions in states. And they, uh, I asked them how many people had, um, how many states have, have published maps. And as of Wednesday, when I, when I talked to them, I think 10 or 12 states have already published maps. In some cases, like Colorado, they're on their second or third draft, right? Like they published a map, they, and they've got a commission. So they published a map. They received public comment. They revised it. They put out another one, received more feedback, revised it. It's a very interactive process, right? And it's, it's always, it's ongoing. It's developing. Um, and maybe you never get perfect, but you get a, a much better outcome. So contrast that, right? Colorado releasing multiple maps and walking through the revision process openly with the public. Now contrast that with what's happening in Oklahoma, where it's nothing. It's just a black hole of information and the best we know is that they've said they will release the maps uh, a week or two before special session, which they've not yet publicly scheduled, right? It was rumored to be in October, but now everyone's saying it's going to be November 15th. And in fact, um, when they said we'll release the maps a week or two beforehand, so probably in early November, which is another six weeks from now. And that means that anybody from either party, right? Republican challengers and Democratic challengers who are interested in running for office, for a state office, like for a state legislative office, for Congress, and even for county commissioner in every county, if you don't, the, the lines are not done, so you don't know, you don't really know in which district you live, right? The exception to this, of course, are the incumbents because they have specified in their rules that they will not draw out incumbents. They will protect incumbents and that incumbents can stay in their district. So the incumbents, the politicians know where they're running, right? They may not know what the shape is, exactly what the boundaries are, but they can put on their flyer, like I'm running for, you know, Senate District 25 or whatever it is. Um, and I try to pick different numbers, so I'm not calling out anybody, but they can, they can run for their for re-election in their seat and and everyone else is a little bit in the dark now this varies more in certain parts of the state obviously if you're in the panhandle you know what district you're going to be in but here in the oklahoma city metro where i live or in the tulsa metro and even on some of the other ones where the lines may change right congressional districts may change by entire counties and you may be on one of those counties. If you live in Wagner County, you don't know for sure if you're going to be in CD1 or CD2, right? If you're in uh, even Oklahoma County, um, you know, that makes a lot of sense. If you look at our map, it keeps Oklahoma County almost entirely whole, right? There's just a couple of precincts we pull out that are Tinker Air Force Base because everybody wants it in, in CD4. But otherwise, Oklahoma County can, can be whole, but they might not do that, right? They could cut it right in half, which would be a, a tremendous, bold act of gerrymandering and would almost certainly get them sued. But um, but it's possible. And if you are a candidate and, or a potential candidate, and you're thinking about this, makes it really difficult. And that is, in my mind, still gerrymandering, right? That is incumbent protection of the worst kind. 
and because it's about it is clearly about power it's not about partisanship you are trying to um to carve out you know <laughs> your own path forward and and to and to block out potential challengers in fact i've heard about this and i'm i'm trying to get them to go on the record with uh uh, with the Oklahoman to talk about this of Republican challengers who have, who have maybe announced or hinted that they were going to run against a fellow Republican. And so those incumbents are trying to see if they can draw their district to draw out that challenger, right? Cause you may be, you know, you may think you're running for this district against this guy. Cause you, you think you're better than him or you dislike him or whatever, for whatever reason you want to beat this, this incumbent. And if they can draw the district so that, you live in another district instead of theirs. Well, maybe the other person next door is someone you get along with, or you don't think you can beat or that, you know, for whatever reason. And that is just shady, right? So, uh, that's pretty exceptional. Oh, Hey, wait, as I say this non-doc just published and trace just sent me a date has been set for special session. Holy moly. I'm so glad I'm recording right now. Please pause for just a moment while I read this article so I can give you the latest information. Okay, I'm back. All right, well, uh, there's really not much to it. The governor has called a special session um, for Monday, November 15th um, for three purposes. One, to restore to redistrict Oklahoma's congressional districts in accordance with all applicable state and federal laws and regulations. Two, to update and redistrict as necessary Oklahoma's state legislative districts in accordance with all applicable state and federal laws and regulations. And three, to amend statutory candidacy and redistricting timelines, including but not limited to amending candidacy and residency deadlines as made necessary by the U.S. Census Bureau's failure to meet the deadline for production of decennial. I, I think it's funny that they keep trying to blame all of this on the Census Bureau when it's <laughs> the delay is because of COVID, which is nobody's fault. We could have done a bunch of things differently to maybe curb the spread of it that would have made the census easier, but it's unlikely. And also the census occurred while Trump was president, but it's only Republicans now that are complaining about the Census Bureau delaying the release of information. So anyway, that third point just makes me chuckle a little bit. All right, so that's it. We are on for special session, November 15th, which is still six weeks away. And it still means that nobody knows what district they live in until at earliest November 19th. And as they say in this call for special session, that third point, the legislature will have to uh, amend to push back the deadlines for candidacy, right? Or for residency, excuse me. So in order to run for state office, you have to live in your district for at least six months prior to the filing date, which is in like April. And because they're waiting so long to hold special session, they don't, they don't have six months. So they have to change the law <laughs> to allow for their delay, which is ridiculous right and unnecessary that's my whole point right they could they could release maps today maybe trace will text me that before i finish recording but they could they could put out maps today or tomorrow or sunday really anytime they could start this process 
Imagine that. Imagine if Oklahoma legislators, uh, if they released their maps and said, hey, here's the first draft of our congressional map. We'd love your feedback. And that gives us a chance to chime in, right, and give feedback. Um, and the only reason they don't is if you're afraid of that feedback, right? That's the only reason. And if you're afraid of feedback, I don't know what you're doing in public office. That's the whole point, <laughs> right? So, uh, all right, well, I'm glad that I uh, stuck around to record this. Folks, I'm glad you were here to listen to it. Well, on that note, I guess I'll wrap this up and uh, and we can go about our week. And uh, we'll convene next week, I think, with all three, me, Scott, and Bailey, unless something goes terribly awry. Okay, uh, listeners, thank you for your time. Thanks for being here. Those of you who have signed up and been a part of our Democracy Book Club, uh, don't forget that this Sunday, the 26th, is our next meeting. It'll be Sunday night at uh, 7 o'clock. If you would like to still join, we've still got two sessions left. We're only halfway through. We're getting to the good part of the book. Uh, we're reading The Politics Industry by uh, Catherine Guile. And um, it's a really good book. You can still pick it up. There's still time. And even if you haven't, just join for the conversation. Go to letsfixthis.org uh, and go to the calendar and you can find the Zoom registration link there, I'm sure. All right. Have a good week, and re remember, decisions are made by those who show up. <laughs> <laughs>